Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mullinger Meets Canadians is brought to you by the Halifax Partnership. Hello, I'm stand-up comedian James Mullinger and the co-founder of Edit Magazine. This is Mullinger Meets Canadians, the podcast where we meet Canadians who are making waves on the world stage. In this episode, my very special guests are brothers, sports fanatics and business partners, Todd and Jeff Bishop, the owners of Dormy Workshop, a trailblazing business that creates luxury handmade golf club covers. After recognising a gap in the market, The brothers used their artistic talent and social media savvy to custom create and sell their sleeves internationally. Proudly based in Halifax, Nova Scotia, their covers can be found on club heads of golfers around the world with an impressive client roster that includes PGA golfers Paul Casey, Corey Connors, David Hearn, Brooke Henderson and megastars and public figures including George Clooney, Cindy Crawford, Tom Brady, Wayne Gretzky and George W. Bush. Dormy Workshop has relationships with the NFL and the Toronto Raptors and offer over 300 unique, often three-dimensional designs to choose from. They are a statement piece and a work of art in their own right. In short, to see one is to want one. And their clients are the company's dearest and strongest ambassadors of this growing brand. As of late, the duo has partnered with Gucci ghost designer Trevor Trouble Andrew to produce their first range of edgy golf clubbers. Yes, that's right. Gucci Ghost is now a part of the Halifax business community. It was their Nova Scotia upbringing that gave them this passion and drive. And I can't wait to speak to these golfers surfers, entrepreneurs, and all-round legends. Let's dive in. Todd and Jeff, it is so great to finally meet you. Great to be here, man. Yeah, thanks for having us on. No, it's an absolute pleasure. I've been a huge admirer of everything that you've been doing. So I guess the first question is, how did Dormy Workshop come about? It really all started because we love golf. Uh, You know, if we really narrow it down to uh, something that... uh, Todd and I share uh, equal passion for and uh, something we were chasing as a dream to uh, make a career out of. And uh, we've been trying to make it as players and realize that may not be the path for us. And uh, yeah, we're down you in mean, Florida. You didn't have any money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, money. Uh, we, won't, we won't say talent. We'll just say the timing was off. <laughs> that's a good way to put it yeah timing was off so yeah and i was looking for some head covers and couldn't really find like the market just didn't have much to offer i mean there was stuff out there but it just wasn't what i was looking for and and uh said to todd hey man we may have uh an opportunity with this and uh yeah that's that's really how it began amazing i mean that's fascinating because clearly you know uh, all of the best entrepreneurial ventures stem from a combination of seeing a gap in the market, but also 
passion and love at the same time. And, and clearly you have both of those things. How do you kind of reconcile that desire for both creatively creating something beautiful, but also the commerce side of it? That's probably the first time in a long time because we had tried other ventures and this was the one that really showed some heat, I guess you'd say, for money and the ability for people to, you know, that there was a need and there was a want and, and where the other products that we've attempted to do, whether it was trying to grow a golf school, which was going pretty good, but some of the other entrepreneurial things, we were selling them, but it wasn't anything at the volume and the interest level that this thing really peaked. So that was when we're like, man, we're going to be able to most likely make something and stay in the sport that we love. That's amazing. I mean, when did you know it was going to be a success? It's a good question. And, and you know, really, you have to take gambles that you, you hope pay off. I mean, they're calculated risks. But there was a time that came when we were working more hours doing this and there was positive cash flow coming in. And, uh, you know, we were really seeing the traction with golf courses and some press and the product was getting better. And uh, when it kind of overtook most of our time, I think we made a, a decision to say, this takes the day job and we do golf lessons to pull in extra cash. You know, that's, right. yeah. So that was really the time when positive cash flow started happening. And how did that feel when you realized that you had found the niche to be able to make money doing the thing that you love most in the world? Man, it's it's so exciting. And, you know, Todd kind of snapped back to we were in Daytona Beach and Todd had been re that's where he really started his golf career. And uh, he used to paint in he had a little studio set up in his just off from his bedroom and he was doing tons of painting. And uh, honestly, I, I not that this has any uh, bearing on the golf product that we make, but it kind of does. I, I had a minor in fine arts in, in college. And so we're creative. We love art. And uh, this was like the fusion of being able to do the sport that we love and keep our creative side. That's incredible. What do you think it was specifically about your upbringing that has given you both a creative outlook, but also an entrepreneurial one? Because it's something which very few people are able to bridge of having an artistic outlook, but also being able to turn that into something uh, financially rewarding as much as it is kind of mentally rewarding. I think you have to have an innate ability to be a gambler because right. you can have one of those two like you could be artistic or you could have a, a really good talent, say, in a sport. But those two things and the commerce component don't always marry. But when you try to combine the both, you know that you're basically most artists are broke for a large component of their life. And a lot of them make their biggest checks when they're six feet under. So that's kind of a frustrating cycle. Right. And uh, the real lucky ones like I definitely consider us extremely lucky because we are using our artistic talents and getting money from that. But we're doubling down because we're getting to travel and still compete professionally. So there's a lot of great perks that come along with this. But unless you're ready to gamble at all, and it starts with like, you know, for me, it was moving down to the States to try to win money playing golf. Well, when that went dry, it was like, well, I know I can paint and I like to surf. So I started doing, you know, surf painting right. and uh then it just you know you just kind of snowball and and i remember somebody saying 
you may start here and, and you want to get to, you know, it, it's no linear line. There's a whole bunch of different nooks and crannies and curves and backward steps that you take in that journey. And this is the net result of all that. That's incredible. I mean, do you think it's... I just want to add yeah. in too, you know, from like a side, you know, I did take business. That was my major in, in college. And uh, things that we've seen growing up, you know, like the passion came from our father for sports. He, he just is a sport fanatic. Our uncle Brooks is an entrepreneur and has been doing festivals and managing artists his whole life. So we know the the passion that he shared for it. Our stepfather is also an entrepreneur and, and has run his own communication business for years. So we had lots of outlets to draw inspiration and get knowledge from and ask questions whenever we needed it. So yeah, our network was good. That's amazing. I mean, do you think uh, there's a huge part of that that is an intrinsically Nova Scotian and an intrinsically Maritimes thing? Having that kind of both the graft side of it, where there isn't a well-worn path here for certain ventures, especially creative ones. So you do have to forge your own. But also the fact that by growing up around all of the natural beauty we have, you know, the fact that you grew up loving surfing and golf and then worked your backsides off doing whatever jobs it took so you could fund that passion and then managed to turn it into your full-time jobs. Do you think that's something which is quite unique to the Maritimes in that way? I would think it is definitely because Nova Scotianers are born travelers. Right. There's certainly a small segment that would never leave the province. Mm-hmm. But when I look around the people that I went to high school with in university, they're everywhere around the globe. And so that was one nice thing was going down to Florida. I knew that my buddy, Pat, who was going to Embry-Riddle to be a pilot, he was like, come down and you can stay on my coach. And, you know, that type of thing. Nova Scotians are always welcoming, whether you're on the road or whether you're welcoming somebody back to your home. So the support system there is in our province is extremely strong and it's family based. And that's what really makes this place killer, really. Interesting. Yeah. And Jeff, do you find that as well, that we've really kind of got this support network here that is almost like this kind of, you know, the the tentacles almost go everywhere. But at the same time, we all feel like family here. Yeah, I totally agree. And in Canada, obviously, Ontario is, you know, the world revolves around Ontario and, and there's amazing stuff in Ontario, but we're the underdogs, right? right. Uh, we're the ones that are saying, hey, we're awesome too. And uh, we're all proud Nova Scotianers. And when you go out to the world, you're like, hey, you got to see where we're from. You know, like I remember whenever we travel and wherever we go, we'd always talk so highly about Nova Scotia and where we're from and, and the surf. And they're like, you know, people be like, you can surf in Nova Scotia? I'm like, yes, you can surf and it's awesome, but it is friggin' cold, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. But that, you know, though, that, that competitive spirit, what Jeff's talking about, because yeah. we, we played a lot of sports, team sports, and represented Nova Scotia, say, in Canada Games and national events. And we are the underdog and we always were fighting in sports to try to take down Ontario, try to take down BC. And that resonates in business. It's really easy to see we're not afraid to go down and take on American competition or UK competitors and try to get into their space because that's what we've done ever since we were playing uh, 
you know, softball or whatever sport we chose to play when we were kids. And that's interesting. I mean, it's funny, that kind of innate connection that we have here. I mean, again, I've often joked that there's one degree of separation between everyone in the Maritimes. And sure enough, my next interview today is actually with Brooks and Fiona, um, <laughs> of course. Um, and, and then the last time I was chatting with Brooks, I hadn't actually realised at that point that actually, Todd, it's you that appears on the cover of the new issue of the Maritime Edit magazine, of course. Only in the Maritime would you be uh, talking to someone about one thing and then discover that oh that person that everyone's told me all these amazing things about that has this amazing business he's also on the cover of your magazine this month that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was pretty funny I, I couldn't believe what I saw I thought someone well, had actually made like just you know like a spoof for it I thought that's what had happened <laughs> That's how little confidence Jeff has in my abilities. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, thank. It took him like two weeks to know. Couldn't believe it. Validated. Yeah, that's amazing. Fifty thousand copies of that <laughs> distributed all over Canada. So I, I, it doesn't bode very well that I've used someone's image on the cover without their permission. But I'm glad that you took it well. <laughs> it's a good thing. Well, I know the the photographer Adam. He's really a, kind of a local legend too. Like if you go to his Instagram, it's amazing photography, yeah. and. Um, I had a girlfriend at the time buy that photo from him and we blew the picture up and it was, it's in our oh, office wow. and um, it's been there for, I mean, the picture was back from a hurricane swell from about four or five years ago. Wow. So it's with surf photography, you never know uh, the context of the timing. And a lot of times it's unknown surfers. You'll see the photo credit of the photographer and then it just says unknown surfer, mm. which I'm definitely an unknown surfer <laughs> by by no grand scale am I, you know, Todd Bishop the surfer. <laughs> so it's very fitting that there's not even the unknown. I didn't even make the unknown surfer <laughs> credit. Yeah, it's true. But but clearly you've got the, the moves and the ability to know your way around a wave because we went through about 5,000 photographs to end up with that one for the cover. So uh, nice moves, my oh, friend. That's cool. Now you're blowing <laughs> his head up. Thank you, man. That is awesome. And as you say, I mean... Now, Adam, yeah, I'm going to get an agent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need to. Other <laughs> Magazines are going to be coming for you. And and it's it's true what you say. I mean, Adam's a, a local legend. He's someone who has, you know, again, like myself, had no previous connection to this region, came here out of a love for the place. What do you think it is that people, uh, newcomers to this region, love so much? And do you see what they see having grown up here? I would just say for me, you know, community, culture, space, you get true outdoors. You can have a piece of the city if you'd like, but you can also go on adventures everywhere. And then there's Cape Breton, which is like this unbelievable area of mountains and trees and, you know, cliffs and beautiful ocean and great restaurants. And uh, probably in my early years after, you know, when I started traveling from kind of like 20 on, we always kind of felt this deep connection to being back. And we wanted to talk about the places we were, but we also want to talk about where we were from. So it's very easy to see why people fall in love with the place when they come here. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a mystery about it too. Like I remember being in a surf shop down in Florida and I'd said to the guy where I was from. And, and as soon as I said, Nova Scotia, he just looked at me and basically put his hands on the counter and he goes, God's country. <laughs> and I was like, I had no idea that like this very rarely do you get that type of reaction from a guy. So I was like, why do you say that? And he was like, man, I've heard so much about the waves up there. And my father had gone up and he, so I guess his whole family, because it was a family runs surf shop. 
and his father had done all this exploring and found all these unique surf spots and he raved about it. So there is a big kind of shrouded mystery of like what really is the heart of Nova Scotia because people hear these grandiose stories and it's like it really exists and it's only a quick flight away. So true. I mean, as you say, I mean, Cape Breton is a is a magical place. We have a feature in that same issue that you're on the cover of where Alan Arkin is interviewed about how, you know, he's been everywhere in the world and thinks that Cape Breton is the most magical place. And I mean, it it, 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 it really is. I know last year you hosted an event at Cabot Links on Cape Breton. And I know, you know, you do so much stuff for local charities and support people. Can you tell me a bit about Play Yellow and your work with the IWK Health Centre? The Play Yellow event, which we, there was two events that we were involved in in Epic Cabot that should have happened last year, but ended up both being canceled. So one was the the Atlantic Zones Spring Pro-Am, which is a Cobra Puma Dormy tournament. And then the Play Yellow is the the charity, which is, it's uh, Jack Nicholas and Barbara, his wife. They really are philanthropists and their goal was to raise $100 million in five years. So they're they're well on their way. I think they're they're already at fifty million, and they they're only on like year two. So things are really cooking. And so the way Play Yellow works is it's part of the Children's Miracle Network, and any hospitals that are affiliated. So that's the IWK here. Every dollar from Play Yellow goes directly to your local hospital. Wow. And then the total is just added up under the Play Yellow banner. So they've really kind of led the charge and and there's a huge wave that's building here of support from the PGA Tour and players and events that other golf courses and pros are putting on so it's a really awesome thing and we believe that's the really the best best charity you could ever really raise money for. Totally. Totally. And the wonderful thing about this kind of support that we have within the community is that, as you say, the the sense of community that we have here is something that to newcomers who have grown up in places where that doesn't exist, it's a real surprise. And I think that's something that kind of seeps through facets of all life where, you know, you've got philanthropists on big levels supporting organisations. But also one of the things we've seen in the past year is communities, people looking out for each other, looking out for their neighbours. Was that something that, that you kind of appreciated when you were growing up or is it only something that you've kind of started to kind of notice more as you as you traveled around and realized that the rest of the world isn't quite as magical as the maritimes i would say with the maritimes specifically for me the the network and that that we've grown up with and you keep in touch with all these people and it just continues to grow and the more people that stay local that's great but when people leave, it extends your network to all these other places. And I would say, like, in the travels that I have had, and I, I, Todd, I'm, you know, we've traveled a lot together, we tend to take Nova Scotia to the community that we're going to. So we end up forming a community wherever we're at that probably mimics the relationships that we have here, which I think is is very cool. So if I reflect, that would be what I would truly feel is like everywhere we've gone, we've had this community of amazing people that uh, made it feel like home. 
That's amazing. That really does sum it up. I mean, I think what I find so fascinating about the way that, you know, in much the same way that Ben Cowan Dewar has done with Cabot Links, you've created a, a global business and globally recognized, globally admired, but based in a smaller place, based in a place where people wouldn't necessarily expect it to be. Do you think that there's sometimes in the past been a tendency by entrepreneurs to, uh, when they're in a smaller place, think they can do something, create a business, create a venture, do something creative that that is big enough and good enough for here. Whereas the reality is now with everything being global, you do have to think big. And, and at what point did you kind of realize that you uh, wanted and knew this business could be fully global? I think um, early on, we made a plan, we, we call it own your zone. <laughs> and so we really focused on Atlanta, Canada, and we knew that was going to be the pillar of our success. And there's no point in reaching past here because we needed that home court advantage. And just as we know, the local support was unbelievable. And that's what got us our base. It allowed us to test. It allowed us to prototype all in, you know, from just learning better ways to communicate, whether it's phone calls work better than emails. We did all those micro testing here. And then it's like, okay, Let's go, you know, laterally across Canada. And and so that was our next home turf, right? And then it was like Jeff and I thought it was the PGA show down in the US. That seemed like mm-hmm. that was the gamble that Jeff was talking about earlier. And Jeff can probably elaborate on that feeling, but it was definitely own your zone first, take over Canada, and then we'll head south. <laughs> Wow. And you must have put a lot on the line. Like, I mean, this obviously takes a huge personal investment, both time and financial. I mean, this must have been a a huge gamble. It it was a gamble to give up short term cash. So like, you know, and this kind of goes back to like everybody has a different path and some entrepreneurs saved up money and put put everything into it. We didn't really have much of a savings. Honestly, we I think we had like two or three thousand dollars between the two of us of savings, like literally, at nothing, and uh, yeah. and we're we were okay, like you know we shared accommodations and like we were okay living like that, so it wasn't a big deal for us. We've done it our whole lives, you know, so it was quite easy to live frugal, and invest everything back into the business. So, you know, we were kind of lucky, like we didn't invest in much equipment to start off with, and uh, luckily. In this business, like your machine value is quite lower. Like we didn't have to buy a $100,000 machine to start up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it did allow us to, to do, like Todd said, lots of testing locally. You know, the first person that actually made our head covers for us, we found on Kijiji. Her name is Trish and she went by the Dragon Lady. This show is brought to you by the Halifax Partnership. Halifax is very much open for business and offers key advantages for business growth and success. Visit halifaxpartnership.com for further information on how you can improve your life and business by moving to Halifax, Nova Scotia. And so, I mean, the fact that you did start with this, that you built out, you started with the region that you grew up in, that you're proud to base the business in, and then built it out. Did that mean that that ultimately, when these huge things started to happen from Tom Brady buying your products to collaborations with Gucci, like when all those things happened, there must have been a real sense of local pride from those people that were there with you from the beginning. I would say, 
you know, just based on emails and, and you see it on social media, they feel like they're part of the success story and they are. And, yeah. and we're always grateful and we, we try to thank everybody as much as we can. There's not a lot of animosity or, or jealousy because I think people know we came from humble roots and we haven't changed at all. Um, yeah. Might have couple extra vehicles, but most of those are for the business. Mm. Um, but it's not like we're flying in private jets or anything. And we do try to organize and support all the fun things that we dreamt of doing, which is if there's a tournament, we're going to throw in some swag. If we're going to, um, we're a platinum sponsor of the Black Lives Matter golf tournament, that's going to be at Grandview later mm. this summer. So that's like the 2.0 version. And it's, it's just growing like crazy. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, we've got all these like cool events, and to be able to get the Dormy brand infused into that, and uh, just kind of like you say, the tentacles kind of flow all over the place, and and in the end, it's like people looking from the outside, I think, understand that that's kind of who we are as Nova Scotians. Is we do give back a lot, and we want to be as much a part of of your life as we want you to be part of ours. Yeah, and, and people clearly definitely feel that. It seems to me like all these amazing things that, that have happened, like the collaborations with Ralph Lauren and Wayne Gretzky and with Gucci, that these things, they in essence happened organically. It wasn't that you had some connection, some hookup, some leg up, some backhand deal. It was simply that you created a product that grabbed the attention of those people. Can you tell me a bit about that and how that came about? Yeah, sure. Certainly the, the PGA show has opened up a lot of doors for us and our ability to network when we get there and, and meet people. And people do walk the aisles there and go look for new products. And, and certainly that's how we came to be with Polo and, and doing the Ralph Lauren project. And we've done several with them now, and it's been awesome. I, so much so that I actually got to go down to their Madison Avenue showroom and see all our product in there and how it was merchandised. So it was, wow. yeah, that such fail? a cool experience. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, yeah. And actually, our father was with us at that time. He would go down in the winter to Myrtle Beach. So I drove home with him and we stopped in New York for this experience. And I mean, it was so cool. Again, Madison Avenue with your dad in the <laughs> Ralph Lauren showroom with all your products there. It was just, you feel pretty proud at that time. Yeah. I, I will say, though, you talked about one uh, degree of separation locally. <laughs> and and it's really interesting. Our accountant is a guy named Todd King, who uh, him and Todd, my brother, have been friends forever. And he is the accountant for Gucci Ghost. So I'm a fan of Gucci Ghost. And Gucci Ghost is a guy named Trevor Andrew, who is a local snowboarder from Windsor, who ended up going to the Olympics, ended up doing rap stuff, and now became an artist. And now is Gucci actually hires him to do their artwork and, and as he goes by Gucci Ghost. So that one degree of separation, another local Nova Scotian out doing just incredible things. That's amazing. It's interesting. It's such a unique thing to this place that that's how business can grow f through that kind of passion for home, but also um, by people knowing each other. And it's interesting. I mean, Traditional logic would have it that bigger cities like London and Toronto are places that more connections can be formed. But conversely, from my, you know, 
15, 20 years living and working in London before coming here, uh, because no one talks to each other and no one likes each other and everyone's depressed and, and, and no one knows their neighbours and no one... Uh, in actual fact, you know, yes, you know the people that you work with, but you don't end up with connections. Whereas the wonderful thing about the Maritimes is, is that I can find someone that could shoot a movie tomorrow, but I can also find someone that could change your septic tank tomorrow. And, and having that broad width of connections is so much more valuable than just knowing people within the narrow field of your industry. And that that's would, how we were raised. I you know, agree, 100%. I, yeah, yeah, I agree. And so recently you moved to a new space. Can you tell me how that came about? And was that a kind of a growth decision? Um, if you see the headquarters that we were working in, I mean, we, it, you know, with COVID, it's challenging anyway, um, space-wise. But even pre-COVID, we were you know, just outgrowing the space and it was, we, we only could move vertically. So Mm -hmm. it was like all our stuff is up on these giant racks that you'd see in like a home Depot. (laughs) It's just, it's not the most practical thing, but Jeff and I, and we worked with our accountants and, and try to did that business case to justify buying the building versus just going and renting. And, and we kind of had a, there was a dream location that we had driven by and we're like, man, I wonder who owns that. Like that, that just looks so cool. And it was across from this one that was for sale. And uh, anyway, we were working on the deal and that one didn't work out. And next thing you know, we one day that we just saw a for sale sign on this building. And man, we we're like, holy smokes, we called. And we were about to try to put an offer in and we got beat to the punch. And we were kind of, you know, just crushed, right? And then uh, all of a sudden, it was about, I guess, a month later, Jeff, and, and uh, the financing had gone belly up and boom, it was back on the market. And we just moved real quickly on it. And uh, we're just super stoked to be able to be closer to downtown and, and have this unique space that's going to blow the brand up. And uh, ironically, because we've been talking about it a lot, we were dreading moving to a business park because it was like it went against everything in our body that we've talked about, like no community you just drive in to your business park area and that's it where this is like you are tapped into the community you know it's so rich into it people come by and that opportunity to host and have parties and show what we do and and uh it was so exciting we go to a bar now in that area and it's like oh we're going to be neighbors like the word spread so quickly that we're moving in there that you'll go into uh brown hound or randy's pizza and the guys know who is selling it to us because, of course, they do, because that's the way the community works here. It's just funny, like, how word spreads so quickly. Absolutely. And, I mean, I, I know your commitment to supporting new talent and so forth. And I understand it's super close to the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design, which has got to be a huge bonus as well, is it? Yeah, I mean, massive. And and our younger brother is, is part of the business. And he left. He traveled. We all traveled together. I mean, whether it be Florida or band for Whistler, Australia, and he ended up going to Vancouver Film School for design. So he came back and then we tapped into NASCAD when we when it was time to start adding in extra artists and backshop production, which truthfully, like, it is just not a normal production area, you know, like <laughs> that has, you think of like a sewing establishment where people are just like head down and sewing. It's like that too, but these are like the most talented people in their own right, whether it be in jewelry or costume or graphic artists, tie-dye, painting. It's just like, and the, the fusion of that just gives up, uh, it's like an unfair advantage over our competitors. <laughs> 
That's incredible. But at the same time, it's embracing the community again, which again, as we keep coming back to, is just the key to all of this. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, what do we? I think we have 10 graduates in there now. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, 10, 10 full-time graduates and adding that's, more. That's amazing. Yeah. And so, and so obviously, I mean, the last year has been obviously tough for all businesses. You were obviously put in a position where e-commerce, I'm sure, became a, a huge part of it. How uh, have you kind of weathered the storm and been able to kind of grow during this time? And what's next? And how are you kind of looking forward to 12 months and, and a year's time with obviously the pleasure of golf season starting any day now? Well, certainly one nice thing about Nova Scotia is there is a really strong government support system yeah. as well so nsbi is a huge partner of ours and then there's canada export like there's there's certain and ACOA, another huge partner so these guys are the real like nuts and bolts support system like there's mental support system and then there's like physical and then there's straight raw yeah. cash and and everybody knows cash <laughs> is king especially in small business and margins can be tight but if you get that discount where they help you go to a trade show or whether it's improving your e-com there's all these different platforms that you can utilize to help leverage and grow your business and that's another thing that nova scotia like i tell people in ontario and they're just like they're super jealous maybe ontario has those programs i doubt it but it's it's great we're super appreciative so true it is harder to do business here overall i mean like it's always an extra plane ride for us oh so right. always an extra connection to get supplies is tougher it's always you know you can't go to your supplier it's always mailed in so if something goes wrong you're kind of screwed for another week or, or more right so the government does recognize that and they do want people here so they do these programs are so great for us being able to travel you know when the time allows and then like todd said the e-com side you know and, and the ability to get some investment from the government to say, hey, we're going to get make our website better and more accessible and smoother and get a better customer experience. We're going to help you do that. And what about, you know, you've obviously got lots on your mind at all time. You're, you're constantly trying to do a million things at once. How do you structure your days? And what advice would you give to entrepreneurs uh, who are trying to do as many things as you are, but finding it tough and finding it overwhelming? Uh, Todd has a, had a curveball thrown at him with having a child. So I, I'd, <laughs> I'd like to hear how he sets his <laughs> yeah. days up now. Congratulations, Todd. But how inconvenient. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Convenient inconvenience. Yeah, no, yeah. the Duke, he's he's doing awesome, and he's he's four. He just turned four like last week, so uh, that was definitely a surprise and life changing. And all the things that you hear people say, where they, they you always hear guys say that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me, and yeah. and you think ah, oh, that's kind of kind of cornball. And I tell you, you, you can't say it enough. But um, in terms of of time and time management, I know that our next video that we're going to make it was really easy. And I coined the the title of it. It's going to be called the 16 hour workday. And so basically we're just going to kind of show a day in the life because it's, you wake up and it's social media check and you you can actually just do that in bed and you're flipping through all your different uh, platforms. So you start with Instagram, with Facebook, and then you kind of get up and you do a couple 911 emails just to make sure there's no like full blown infernos. (laughs) And then you take a shower. And then so you, and the day just kind of weaves its way through and you might, you might be able to find some time to go for a bike ride and to go for a surf. And, but in the meantime, like 
you're on a phone call while you're driving to the surf location. And so we're going to have fun with this video. And I, I think it's going to be really cool to show kind of the insight of like, because Jeff and I have such unstructured lives right now, because like you said, everything is pulling at you in a million different directions. And that's one thing from an entrepreneur that is in a success because it, we are in the black and we're seeing sustained growth is that it really is hard to understand what exactly your workday will look like. And that's actually normal, I think. Wouldn't you say, Jeff? Yeah, it's pretty normal. I mean, like through the help of, you know, again, we lean on a lot of people for advice and help in structure because we've lived an unstructured nomad lifestyle and setting this up. So like two guys that have helped us a lot, three guys, really. Bruce Reardon has always been a, an ear for me to bounce stuff off of. We got a consultant that's with us, Mike Francis, who's helped set up meetings and, you know, get us on track for like, kind of like your standard operating procedures as a business. Right. You know, when you grow it. He's, he's an ex-Nike guy. So he he came from like one of the biggest golf brands and then moved back to the hometown and, and it reached out to us before that too. And I said to Jeff, I remember saying, man, this, this Mike Francis guy has a pretty interesting background. Check him out. Yeah, and, and our stepfather had been doing weekly meetings and quarterly meetings with us trying to set some goals and stuff for us to say, hey, what are the big things that we want to accomplish this year? And then how do we divide this work up and then hold us accountable to our word and saying, hey, we're going to get this done in Q1 and this will be done by Q3. So you do need some structure. And like, I guess my only advice for anybody is, you know, make sure your support system is strong because you're going to need it. Right. It's true. Definitely. And and I guess the, the other key to, because what a lot of people don't realize with any entrepreneurial venture is like you say, that it is a 16 hour day and, and the work doesn't stop. And it's not like having a normal job where you go in and you have a start time and a finish time. So if you are going to take on any business, it better be the thing that you love most in the world. 100%. You know, like <laughs> cash can make people happy. So if like, if it was something that maybe you didn't like necessarily, but you knew like you were on a rocket projection for cash, that might maybe make up for the passion. I don't know. But certainly if you're in something that, you know, you're going to be in the ring, fight 12 rounds with, it better be something that you really love. So true. So true. Um, I think that one of the important things I'd like to bring up finally is the fact that obviously uh, two weeks ago, uh, McLean's Magazine uh, named Halifax the, the best place in Canada to live. Uh, something which, you know, Maritimers have, have known and been saying for years, but finally the rest of Canada is, is catching on. Um, how do you feel like uh, when those things happen? Because, I mean, we don't, we never needed that validation. Um, and growth is, of course, always wonderful. But how does Halifax and Nova Scotia as a whole uh, keep its charm while also embracing that growth and embracing the potential of people coming here? That's a that's a good question, Todd. Do you have any initial thoughts on that one? Uh, man, yeah, that's that's a big question, and that's why I'm not a politician. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> I know that they, Nova Scotia, they certainly have a, a big um, drive in for immigration, and you know, so they're trying to boost numbers just in terms of bodies coming here and there's and I don't I'm not really aware of all the political implications of, mm. of all that but I certainly understand what it's doing to the real estate market so you know from tradesies to 
building supplies, like all, everything's going up in numbers and it does kind of impact our local mm-hmm. economy in a positive, but it's also bittersweet because everybody's paying a heck of a lot more for all the little stuff that we always not took for granted, but it's just the whole market shifted. So there's going to be a reckoning at some point where people are going to go, man, was all that growth and was all that worth <laughs> it? And I, I would say probably yes. I, I don't, maybe in my lifetime, maybe in Duke's lifetime, we'll <laughs> see there'll be issues from that. But I don't think in our lifetime, we'll see an issue because Nova Scotia does have so much terrain out there that it's just mind boggling. Every time we go out a back road, it's like, there's nothing here. And we're just burning <laughs> down the road on our dirt bikes for miles. It's just like, how is this even possible? Yeah. yeah this, I think the positive impact would be, you know, those communities that have really been hit hard by everybody moving out of them and going to the city right. may see a uh, kind of a resurgence in, you know, maybe prosperity that the, the local town can now survive and maybe some industry will come back and, and business will, will flourish with extra people. I don't know. That would be yeah. kind of my take on it. I mean, Halifax can only get so big. That's, yeah, beautifully put. Yeah, look at Kenfield. Yeah. You know, like the surrounding of Kenfield now, the, the different varieties of uh, like just the wineries and all the new bars and stuff like you, if you took a snapshot of that place 20 years ago, it's it's just not the same, right? Like, yeah, Kentville. The valley's thriving. Wolfville. It's, it's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, I went. I did a, a show in Kentville a couple of years ago, and I I believe it won an award for uh, best place to start a, a business in the Maritimes. In terms, something like twenty new businesses literally started from scratch there in the space of like a year. And as you say, cafes opening, bars opening, and it's it's a, a perfect example of as you say a, a small town where. Uh, this kind of growth can literally be saving for for a community. Yeah. Um, what do you think the the most important thing is for people to know? Uh, and right now, you know, the the whole of Canada and indeed the world is looking at uh, at this region as the place. It's like this is the you know the safest place in the world to live. We're the last to get hit by war, terrorism, pandemics, uh, crime. Uh, it's it's essentially you know the safest place in the world to live, and, and of course. It, Alongside that, people are seeing that there is huge business opportunities here. What do you think the most important thing is for people to know uh, who are coming from bigger cities about starting a business here? Uh, you know, probably to go back to your experience in London, you know, everybody knows everybody, some, <laughs> you know, through someone else. So, you know, it's a community and, you know, don't burn your bridges. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's it. Yeah, don't, don't, don't fuck it up because people will talk. And I think that's the, that is, you're right, that is the key because you can be shit at something for years in London or Toronto because no one will hear about it. But if you mess up one job here, everybody knows. Everybody knows. You know, it's just really <laughs> yeah. like the philosophy is like, you know, be nice to other people and, and treat other people like you want to be treated. Uh, yeah. You, you know, you may not be wildly successful uh, and become a multi-millionaire uh, but sometimes there's a price to being a multimillionaire and it's at the expense of others. So, yeah, so true. And as you say, I mean, you know, conversely to, to the, the fact that, you know, if you, 
if you burn bridges, they stay burned. The flip side to that is when you do good work and you treat people with respect, not only is it remembered, but that is it spreads far and wide. And in some ways, it makes this region actually the most organic and real place to run any business, whether it be, um, you know, luxury golf equipment, uh, a, a magazine or work as a plumber, whatever it is, work as a comedian, whatever job it is, because it's word of mouth. And, and if you do a good job and you work hard and you, you're nice, uh, people will tell people. And there's not many places in the world where that's the case. Yeah, I agree 100%. Definitely. I mean, and that the I would say one of the pillars of our grow, ability to grow is the referrals and word of mouth, and and that you know it, it spread locally, then it went nationally, and now it's international, and and so your reputation is really all you have, and that perceived, you know, you know, magnoscope that people examine the business and uh, staff and advertising, all those little things, they all add up to. Either uh, click on the green button that says um, I'm going to pay with cash, credit, or Bitcoin, <laughs> and it, you're, you're getting judged every minute of every day because there's so many different things that people can look at at your business. But the word of mouth is just that's the biggest uh, privilege that anybody could ever give you. So true, so true. Uh, Todd, Jeff, thank you so much uh, for your time, for sharing your insights with us and uh, congratulations on everything you've done. And I can't wait to see how everything grows because uh, clearly this is just the beginning for you guys. Uh, thanks so much, man. And yeah, thanks, uh, yeah it's just awesome to be on here. So um, yeah, we really appreciate hopefully it. Hopefully we'll see you at the golf course. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I'll be there. See you on Cape Breton Island. Uh, we'll be there at Cabot Links before long. And there'll be by then there'll be no masks and we'll all be vaccinated and the world will be a happy place again. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> right on, man. Looking forward to it. Amazing Thank you stuff. so much. Thank you. Love it. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Mullinger Meets Canadians. If you like greatness, creativity, being inspired, laughing, or just love Canada as much as I do, then this is the podcast for you. So please do subscribe and review the show now. This show is brought to you by the Halifax Partnership. Halifax is very much open for business and offers key advantages for business growth and success. Visit halifaxpartnership.com for further information on how you can improve your life and business by moving to Halifax, Nova Scotia. To learn more about Dormy Workshop, go to dormyworkshop.com and follow Dormy Workshop on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Dormy Workshop. Podstarter. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.